Welcome to After School Democracy, the podcast that attempts to fill in the gaps you almost certainly missed in school about politics, economics, and history. Imagine, if you will, you were a peasant back in the Middle Ages. No internet, no social media, no Wikipedia. You had no access to science, news, literacy, and much of reality and knowledge we take for granted today. The church, members of your community, and traveling merchants were the only news you ever got. Agreement in your community was essential for community cohesion so you could get along and not starve. You rarely questioned it because you were too busy working to keep yourself and your family alive, or busy praying or going to Mass to protect your soul from hell. If you thought something was unjust, yeah, kept your head down unless you, by accident, found others who agreed with you. Otherwise, you could end up on the wrong side of that injustice. Going out of your way to argue against that injustice could put your entire family in jeopardy. There was little public discourse, no freedom of speech, no marketplace of ideas. Some places were freer than others, but if you got too many dangerous ideas for the lord or king's liking, you could be seriously punished. That isn't to say that the peasants were mindless sheep. Some had access to reading and arithmetic, depending on the era, and did cause revolts and riots based on injustice when the injustice got too extreme. But the idea of rioting or standing up for people in another country was beyond nuts. Only the biggest trade hubs had anything close to the modern world's marketplace of ideas, where melting pots of new ideas occurred, and you had so much access to world news. But even then, in medieval Europe at points, the Islamic Empire had them cut off from Africa and Asia, so they had no clue as to other ideas. And they had a very rough understanding of what lay beyond Europe, and only the very rich had access to maps of Europe. You were in a little bubble, ignorant of the wide reality around you. Having your ideas challenged rarely happened in your life, and if you did, you may have had a fear of heresy blocking you from waking up to the reality of injustice around you. Now imagine we move forward in time, to the time of slavery. Imagine you're in the North. You're aware of the abolitionist movement, but they are one of many ideas out there. Your local community may very well decide if you are one or not. Being that guy in the community who rocks the boat is annoying. You have access to mail and newspapers and possibly a library if you're lucky, but your knowledge of reality is limited to what you can get your hands on, and that is very limited. Early America was all about self-education and self-improvement, but sticking out in the community was still not the greatest idea, as you needed your community to survive. And even if you were an abolitionist, you may still not believe blacks were equal to whites, or met many of them. You just thought slavery was bad and we should send the Africans back to Africa. Only the extreme radicals believed that blacks should have equal standing in the community. You could read about exotic places like China, India, or the dark continent of Africa, but it always had a Eurocentric and colonial view to it, so you only got a warped view of how that area actually was. Having your ideas challenged happened in your life, but it was still pretty rare, and if you did, you may have had a fear of social repercussions from waking up to the reality of injustice around you. Now imagine you're living in the 1970s. You live in a white segregated neighborhood you have more access to the world than at any time in history. You have the news, print, radio, and three stations of television. For that time period, you are flooded with information like never before. If you want to know something more, you go to the library and look through the file card drawers or ask a librarian. Hopefully, they have something on hand. You trust the news for the most part, and it comes from a modernist viewpoint, aka white, straight, male, Judeo-Christian viewpoint. 
your chances of bumping into someone of a different ethnicity, except for in big cities, are rare, and if they don't match the stereotype, you often don't view your stereotype as being wrong, you view them as being an exception to the stereotype. Your view of reality is warped by a modernist set-in-stone mindset. You don't go out of your comfort zone. You have stereotypes and trust the government, unless you're a commie or a nut job. You don't go out of your way to meet and really get to know people different from you. You may be aware of race riots, the war in Vietnam, or the Stonewall riots as well as bra burning, but you don't have easy access to all the arguments. You have to hunt down and hang out and leave your comfort zone and talk to the oppressed and find out what they're facing. The concept of privilege was in its infancy. Racism literally only meant racial supremacy, not the modern sociological definitions used. You had to actively study the Black Panthers or just give in to fear about them created by the fact that J. Edgar Hoover spent more money on suppressing and propagandizing against them than he did against the actual mafia. If your only interaction with the cops was positive or something you deserved because you were a white person, why would you think they were any different to any other citizen? TV and movies focused on fixing the worst and more simple-to-understand problems if the oppressed were lucky, and they had to knock on doors and go out of their way to try and spread their message. Information spreads the fastest it had ever been, but the most efficient means were monopolized. The punk scene printed zines and other countercultural literature and music, but they couldn't reach nearly the people they needed to pass laws. No matter what at that time, even if you cared about people and had the best intentions, you would still have a lot of conscious or unconscious bigotry of some group. And you certainly weren't told to check your privilege or stop being a white savior. Allies were few and far between, and while the oppressed shouldn't have to explain anything to the privileged, that's not how the human brain and the parochial effect works. You have to spoon-feed it to them in palatable ways so they don't shut down and reject this new reality you're telling them that goes entirely counter to all their experiences. Then the modern internet came into being, and formed from the 90s to the end of the first decade of the 2000s. It was a Wild West decentralized place for teaching and ideas to be spread around. For the first time in a generation, we now had a platform that anyone could be on. Unfortunately, at first, only the tech geeks were on it and the computer literate, but as it got easier and more eyeballs started joining in, that was the time to begin ratcheting up monetizing the internet on a mass scale. And new methods of monetization to get more eyeballs on the screen were invented. Facebook found out things you liked and then only showed you similar things you liked so you would stay on more, blocking anyone you may have even slightly disagreed with. Google tailored your searches to things you agreed with. YouTube created an algorithm based on your behavior and would autoplay things oddly that would keep getting more and more Nazi, like how Tay, the Microsoft AI, turned into a conspiracy nut Nazi just that you could easily see it on the front end. You couldn't do so with YouTube. Because of these bubbles and constant flood of information based on our preferences, we for the first time ever had what was called the Great Awakening and learned history and political truths we had never had access to prior. I was born in a gap generation people are trying to call Xennials with an X. Not to be confused with the Xennials with a Z, some are trying to stick Gen Z with or the gap between the two. Both are stupid. I prefer the much more awesome name, the Oregon Trail Generation. We're a couple of years plus or minus 1980. We grew up with early clunky computers, but also with aging out analog systems. I watch movies today and remember when a quarter meant you could make a phone call. We were also a poorer family, so my analog memories were probably a lot more aligned with someone 10 years older than me of a higher class. We were the first generation to learn computers as kids, 
and have it used in school for games like Oregon Trail. We have one foot in the analog and one foot in the digital, pushing it forward. Most kids after us don't even remember the analog world we grew up in, or they do vaguely, especially poorer kids, while the older generation still often thinks in analog terms, and while many have adapted, they can't really understand why the younger generations thinks in the mindset they do, and can't explain their own alien mindsets to those who have always had any information they wanted at their fingertips. I'm hoping to be an interpreter to the young to understand your elders you frustratingly can't understand. I did a video called To the Minority of Boomers, thanking them for holding a candle in a dark place back when they were a serious minority. From their point of view, they first got into politics when their friends were all being sent off to war and killed in Vietnam. Many discovered Jim Crow and lynching were common and marched with Dr. Martin Luther King. And things progressed. They began protesting nukes and fear of the mutual assured destruction and fighting pollution. They had to fight for women's rights in the workplace to have equal treatment, and some repercussions for sexual harassment that was just very common behavior back in the workplace, for women to get equal treatment in education, for blacks to have equal access to welfare benefits, when they had to fight Nixon's authoritarianism and corruption and force the Democratic Party to open up the party and create the primary system out of essentially nothing, as their Bernie Sanders, George McGovern, ran against Nixon and was utterly crushed, winning only two states. They finally got their candidate in Jimmy Carter, who, like Grant's only sin, was trusting their staff a little too much, without enough credentials, and was treated like a useless, terrible president for the next three decades, and only now are historians rehabilitating him and clearing away the Republican spin. He was on his way to crushing Reagan in the debate, until Carter's campaign lost his talking points notebook, and the Reagan campaign found it, so Reagan had a snide and funny answer for every one of Carter's real attacks, and it made him look weak and ineffectual. Then a botched rescue operation that could happen to any president put the final nail in the coffin, and these Dem boomers were now out in the wilderness as Reagan started cutting taxes on the rich and scaling back union rights on a powerful scale. The AIDS pandemic hit, and the Republicans did nothing. The boomer Dems felt defeated. America had a majority conservative population, fearful of nuclear war and believed the bullshit that Republicans were the only ones who could save them. Bush Sr. got us into a good war through lies such as the Iraqi troops killing Kuwaiti babies to steal their incubators, so we went in and freed a country and got out. After 16 years of getting our asses kicked in elections, Bill Clinton had to compromise on his ideals and run the Third Way campaign. He lost the House in 1994, and Newt Gingrich stonewalled everything, so nothing was getting done, smearing anything Bill did, including investigating him for things that turned up pretty much nothing other than the affairs he had. This was the 90s. The Gen Xers were coming into their own, and their parents had long since stopped teaching them civics or how to be politically active, or racial or gender rights, and were helping LGBT plus people find housing, and get them off the streets after their parents had disavowed them. A crime wave was occurring because of the 1980s crack epidemic and benevolent neglect as jobs moved from the inner city to rural regions. Due to newer technology, heavily subsidized rural infrastructure, and cheaper labor. Bill Clinton passed the crime bill backed by leaders of the black community, but with a lot of serious problems, though there were also increased protections from domestic abuse we were able to get nations on board and fix the existential environmental threat that was the hole in the ozone layer. 
Then the Dems saw their chances die yet again in 2000 when the Bush campaign was able to get Jeb Bush, then governor of Florida, to challenge the Gore win and the Supreme Court declared Bush the winner. They were back in the wilderness yet again, stuck in the trenches. We had had enough little good wars. The memory of Vietnam was far enough away, so America was easy to sell on not just one, but two wars on people who had nothing to do with 9-11, an attack that allowed the government to take away many freedoms and make us even more of a police state. Dem boomers and Gen Xers worked their asses off to fight it, but to no avail. The voters were clearly with the conservatives, and Democratic politicians had to capitulate to their voters or lose their jobs. So thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm sure there was nothing controversial about this, and everyone will happily get along in the comments section, which you can do on the YouTube version of this video, or my Facebook page, After School Democracy. Link in the show notes. Just a reminder that I'm Anubis2814 on YouTube, and I have over 500 videos on different topics that I've made over the past 10 years. Please subscribe, and if your podcast site has the option, give me a like or review. If you think what I have to say informed you, consider supporting my Patreon. I'll be doing this podcast weekly and try to get it out on the same day, so I hope to see you here next week, ready to be filled with new ideas. Take care. This channel is helped tremendously by the generous supporters on Patreon. A big thank you to the wonderful Joe Taylor, Elias Garcia Guevara, and Ogrel for their support at the $10 a month Wapawet level. Please consider donating to my work if you can, and thank you all for listening.